This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, Wednesday, meaning day, 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 day. They all seem the same. And um, and so the the question is really, who are who are you when you have nothing to do? <laughs> who are you when you have nothing to do? And and you know. I think I might say that it breaks down. inability to just be and you'll notice with um you know when you when you look at the, the one of the greatest works ever uh, Eckhart Tolle's uh you know uh, this book here it's called a uh, a new earth this is one of the most important books a man can read a woman can read a person can read um you know there he he's talking about it all the time on how we are um, we are lost in a world of identification. We're constantly identifying with things. And when those things disappear from us, we go into full crisis mode. Like we don't know who we are anymore because we can't identify with it. And this coronavirus has brought that big time. It's like, oh my gosh, like whatever you did before, it, for mo- for not for everyone, but for a lot of people, whatever it is you did before, it's gone now. You know, you, you can't, you can't be that. And, and, and that's just, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck. And who doesn't have that crisis? You know, everyone has that crisis because it, it's life is such that we are particularly connected to, to the, you know, to, to our activities, you know, where, you know, like, like, uh, for example, I'm known as a surfer, but who am I if I'm not surfing? And, and uh, or as a speaker, and who am I if I'm not speaking? And running seminars, the possible you like I've, I had to cancel one in Israel already. Uh, I don't know when what's going to be with our scheduled se- seminars for the U.S. Well, then who am I? You know, and and the funny thing is that a lot of us, at least us family people, you know, meaning if you're married with kids, <laughs> the answer is your your husband <laughs> or your father or your son. Or you're, you know, you're like, and and so many of these relationships are are we they they've developed a dynamic, they've developed a dynamic that has us absent a certain amount, you know, and and you know for sure I'm I'm noticing like for example my my wife's just so excited that I'm back. And and I don't think she ever dreamt in her wildest dreams that she would get the gift of me full time. You know, and we're married twenty five years, and you know, and she looks really happy, <laughs> really happy, and 
and the uh, that was funny, Andrew Schiff, about how you have to watch Eckhart Tolle videos at double t- at two times speed for it to sound normal. Probably. Anyway, um, the the uh, people are saying hi to me on Facebook right now, so on the Facebook Live. So hi, everyone, and uh, uh, someone's in Vegas. There, we're going to talk about wandering Jews in our next class. Anyway, so. So who are you when, um, who are you? And the, and the answer is very simply is who you are is the soul. Who you are is the the spiritual, you know, that's, that's your true being. I mean, that's the thing that's forever. I mean, that's the thing that's always been there. That's the thing that your soul is the thing that connects to now. And what time is it? You know, the answer is, well, it's now. Because if you tried to tell me the time, it'd already be an hour, you know, a minute. Sorry. If you tried to tell me the time now, it'd be a second later already. And so it's always now. And so you're the one. Your being has always been there. And it, your being's not going anywhere. It's it's just always there. And it never will die. And it never gets old. You know, when, when elderly people look through... When elderly people look through the the lenses of their eyes they're they're you know how old are they they're they're you know they're they're just conscious beings you know and and that's one of the strange things about what's going on in Europe where where they have too easily allowed the elderly to be sacrificed for you know the allowing the elderly to be sacrificed for the you know for the for the younger and um you know, just finding many of them on, you know, like the, in the triage level, like they just put the elderly in a in a perf, in a triage automatically. They're triaged out, and especially if they have background uh, issues or whatever. But who looks out of the eyes of an elderly person is just as conscious as you. I mean, it's an ageless, timeless thing. It's not something that's, you know, if uh, our sages teach us that if uh, if a if a person were to, um, you know, if a person held the, a gun up to your head when you were 10 years old and the other, and he, and a gun, or no, he held the gun between you and a 90-year-old person and the 90-year-old, and told the 90-year-old person to choose who he shoots, that's likely the 90-year-old person might choose that he should shoot him and give the 10-year-old a little chance. But what's the halacha? What's the law? And the law is that you can't choose the young over the old. You know, you can't do that because we don't know what's going on in life. And you're both conscious beings and you're both eternally young in your soul. Your soul souls don't age. I mean, they don't even die. You know, and he placed eternal life within us. You know, he he planted the soul inside of you, and that that never gets old, that never dies. And that's the bummer, by the way, of you old folks. Uh, by the way, when I say old folks, it could be you're you're watching this and you're only sixteen, but you mope around like you're eighty. Okay, the um, but that that's the problem with you old folks. What I mean by that is people who aren't so identified with that soul who, you know, just feel old and tired. And, and I know young people who are, like, old and tired. And, and but we learn King David says over there in uh, Mizmar Shir, the Yom uh, right after Tzadik Katamar Yifrach, 
that it's sadik like a date palm. You know, flowers. We say odunavum beseva. That that uh, that a a tzaddik is fresh in his uh, in his senior years because you shine through your through your eyes, you shine through your soul, your eternal soul. So the coronavirus has taken away so much of our identifiers when it comes to the material physical world because so much of our activities have been taken away from us. And we've, and as I said before, many of our family dynamics, we've gotten used to our absenteeism and kind of, and, and our absenteeism is, is kind of in a way saying to everybody, you know, yeah, I'd be happy when I'm here, you know, like, let's enjoy the time that we're together, you know, uh, and, and, uh, uh, I gotta like mute people's phones here. I don't know who's to mute, but uh, anyway. But we we have we have this. Wow! Oh my gosh, mommy Jory lives in Albany. She says hi, Svi Fishman. Oh my gosh, Jory. Yeah, she's not on the screen. She's just uh, sent a message. That's what it says. Jory Sussman. <laughs> Gives us a lot of nachas to see see a, a new last name on that girl. So, anyway, um, so the so we've we've let other people get used to who we are, meaning how we interact based on the time we're with them, and now all of a sudden we're with certain people a lot. And if you're married with kids, oh my gosh, you're really with them a lot. And, and you've, you've somehow, like, you've somehow gotten them to get used to and just be grateful for the time you're around. But in a way, if, in a way, they've been getting ripped off all these years. You know, now you might say, like, what do you mean they've been getting ripped off? Like, you got to make a living. I mean, you got to go out there and, and, um, but, but. You know, since coronavirus brings everything into question, so why don't we bring into question the Industrial Revolution? Why don't we bring into question the fact that they threw all of us behind desks? You know, because that that ultimately stole the child from his son. Uh, the child, sorry, that ultimately stole the father from the child. You know, if you learn the history of of uh, of male bonding of a father and son and the father showing his son the way in life you know that happened out in the farms and the fields and the putting horseshoes on horses and and building the barn and all that stuff and ever since kids moved into uh you know ever since kids uh, ever since uh, parents moved into built fathers moved into buildings behind desks you know, the the kids, he's raised by moms. They're raised by moms. And, and you ask the average guy who was raised secular how many male teachers he had. And the last guy asked, how many male teachers did you have between kindergarten and uh, sixth grade? He said, none. The most I've ever heard was two. And so when do you learn, when do you learn to be a man? When you learn what man, being man is all about, really, and so, and so we were all ripped off. Our fathers were taken from us, 
you know, and to serve some lower power called, you know, making it, you know, and then it comes with luxuries that, that comes with, you know, and then you get to get the nice house, but I'd rather just have the father to begin with, you know, who needs a nice house when at the expense of a father, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather just have a simple home and, um, simple home and to be in, uh, you know, and, and just have, have someone show me the ropes, you know? And, um, so, so this is a chance for all of us to, to really, uh, take, uh, take note and to see what it is we, uh, who we, who we are and, and what are our relationships and how much have we been ripping people off. Um, just on the on that note about who we are again, uh, we have to reinvent ourselves when we can't do the things that we're used to doing for identity. And and in truth, doing is not the point of identity. Like doing is not where you find out who you are. You find out who you are, and then you do. And ideally, what you do should be an expression of your deepest sense of self. And what'll happen after that is, is, uh, you know, cause what happens a lot of people, they, we all got to make money and, and people have, uh, you know, people have those expenses kind of driving what they do as opposed to who they are as driving what they do. Did that make sense? Meaning you, you gotta, you gotta like pay the bills for what you do. Sorry. You, you gotta do stuff to pay your bills so that you can live a nice lifestyle, but what you do isn't necessarily a direct expression of of who you are in your in your spirit in your like true self and so this is a chance for all of us to get back to true self now you might say well maybe i don't want to know my true self and i don't want to do according to my true self because if i did maybe i wouldn't make as much money and the answer is that for many people you probably wouldn't for other people they might triple their money you know there's certain people that that are or actually, they've been so busy trying to be secure that they they never they never got in tune with the you know with who they are and and if they would just get in tune with who they are, yeah, they might have a little bit of a downslope financially, but they're going to come up big time, you know, when they when they've got themselves living organically in the in their lives, and the, and that you know that's that's worth everything. You know, but it, again, it's scary. It's going to take it's going to take uh, some courage to do that. But it's uh, you know that's that's the way to go. And so, in the end, what it means is that how much we're supposed to make for a living is is not the point. The point is the point is more um, what do you what do you contribute? Like what 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 do you in your soul and your being and your essence? What do you contribute to the world? And based on what you contribute, um, oh yeah, I'm on Zoom. By the way, if anyone wants to join their Zoom meeting, I just can't remember the number of the Zoom meeting. Uh, I don't know the one. Um, Shia, do you know the number of the Zoom meeting? You could put it on your camera, like just write it down. No, anyone know it? Uh, Jonathan, you know? Can you do you know the number of the Zoom meeting? Whatever, it's on. I put it on Facebook before on my 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 thing. Um, Anyway, you can read it off. 
yeah. It's uh four three six. Yeah. Zero five. Yeah. Zero four one. Uh. Zero four one. Got it. Okay. There, I just printed the Zoom meeting uh, code on Facebook. Yeah. So, um, so the main thing is who are you and what do you contribute and then monetize it. You know, who are you? What do you contribute? Monetize it. And don't trust yourself to monetize things. There's people who are really good at monetizing. I've helped a lot of people get, get monetized, um, in, in their lives. And, um, and no, not because I'm so good at it. It's just that it was so far from my area of expertise that I was able to, um, you know, be that objective out of the box, you know, view that they needed to, to monetize and uh, to figure out how to monetize, actually. And uh, what else do I want to... Um, I just want to mention that, uh, that I'm open to... Because now that I'm at home all day, I'm open to one-on-one -on -one meetings. People hire me throughout the years for one-on-ones, usually in person, sometimes on the phone, sometimes on Zoom. So that's available to people if they're interested. Um, but I want to talk about one more thing, and that is uh, corona uh, psychosis. <laughs> and I don't mean that literally, but I'm just talking about uh, feeling like you've gone crazy. Um, there... Uh, you know, the, uh, one thing is people are having very... I saw in the news that people are having vivid, vivid dreams. And uh, and I'm also having vivid dreams. Uh, give a thumbs up if you're having vivid dreams out there. But the... Uh, you're, I, I'm wondering why. The one thing I'm thinking of is that we're so understimulated from our what we're used to is that our unconscious minds are... Unconscious minds have to... Are working like overtime... Uh, and and kind of getting it all out in the dream state, you know, the adventure is taking place in dreams instead of instead of in uh, real life. You know, we're just not living out most stuff. You know, so we're we're just kind of gonna have to dream it out instead. Instead, um, uh, so regard so regarding our um, regarding Corona psychosis, meaning uh, meaning like feel like you're falling apart or you can't you can't get your act together so so you know i don't i don't want to give obvious advice people know that they're supposed to keep a regular schedule and and things like that but they and you know for sure that's an important thing i know people whose clocks have been my own clock flipped around a few times where i was up and then up in the night and asleep in the day and um so so definitely not to do that you need sunlight you gotta you gotta be up in the daytime hours just to get your serotonin levels up. Most people, you know, sadly I'm not one of them, but most people, their uh, their serotonin comes up a lot from uh, from uh, sunlight, and so you know melatonin's night and serotonin's day, and and that that's your that's what regulates your well being for the most part, and so you got to make sure you're doing that. Another thing is exercise. Um, all of us should be exercising and. Um, and stretching and yoga and all, all the stuff we do to keep in, in, in shape. And, uh, and the other thing is not to uh, be careful of grazing in your kitchen. You know, they call it grazing. 
you know, where people are munching, too much munching. So, so be careful with all that munching. And especially if you're going to munch, munch healthy foods, you know, green leafy stuff or, you know, fruity stuff that hit, hit the apples and, and, uh, you know, the pears and the things like that. Um, I'm not, I, I, I would hardly consider myself an expert in this, but I, but uh, one thing I did just now is I dropped 300 shekels for a, and went to an energy healer and had him just clean up my act. And, uh, you know, I just laid on a table and let this guy like slide about, I don't know how many, 20 needles in my body. And, and uh, because I was just like, I, did, I was, I like left my body. I was like, my, my soul was just totally ungrounded and um and uh because i'm i'm just not i'm just in these in this home you know all the time and and my body needs to get out and do it and, and uh anyway so this guy just like put a ton of needles into my lower legs feet heel it's pretty nasty and uh but like i'm totally back like i'm i'm back inside myself i'm back inside my game um, I don't know if you can do stuff like that. Some of these guys can do it re remotely. Um, uh, you also got to be uh, a little leery of energy healer work uh, because not all of them are kosher. This guy was a Hasidic man from Beitar, you know, in the mountains outside Jerusalem, who, uh, you know, he had, a, I think he had a good 20 years of, uh, you know, India before of uh, being a healer until he, made his way back to the Holy Land and, and uh, became a Hasidic man. Um, that's basically uh, what I want to share on this one. The one thing that uh, that's for sure important to do is um, is to get yourself a copy of, uh, of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, this is a must-read, and especially, especially during the coronavirus, is to read Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Um... You know, you, when you read it, you got to be a little careful reading it. It's uh, it, at least if you're Jewish, because it's coming from a very uh, Eastern perspective. Um, and whenever he quotes, he, he has no concept of Judaism at all, like uh, shockingly. So, so he doesn't know anything about Judaism. But when, but he'll quote, um, he'll quote J.C. and give it a Buddhist twist every time. And you can just you can skip those lines if you want, and but just stick with the. The handbook of getting back to the the self—it's one of the most accurate and extremely powerful and potent tools for staying in your staying in your true self, you know. And uh, uh, we have another we have another minute just to uh, say one more thing that's very interesting is that you'll see that a lot of people work on their and I, I don't mind developing this on another in another class, but you see a lot of people they work a lot on their on their midas, like negative midas, negative character traits. Um, but anyone who's done the Possible You seminar, you know, the my seminar, the Possible You, knows that we don't do any of that work. And we get all this, like, totally fixing of ourselves. And, you know, if you think about it, like Gedalia, yeah, yeah in the work we did there, right, we didn't discuss negative midas at all. And what you can do is cut to the chase, because if you think about it, what are negative mitos? What are negative attributes? 
So negative attributes are, well, I see myself not as a soul, not in the state of being, of true being, capital B being with Hashem. I don't see myself as a soul, rather. I see myself as a, you know, a no good Nick, someone unwanted, someone, uh, you know, uh, not very smart or or not needed, or not loved, or whatever, all those negative things again, and we call that in the possibility of the negative, inner negative beliefs. But I see myself like that. And then I have all these Midas issues. Why? Because I'm going to be greedy, or I'm going to be uh, aggressive, or I'm going to be, you know, uh, easily angered, or, you know, temperamental, or or I'm going to be like, you know, the star of the show, or... You know, I'm going to have all these bad Midos issues. Why? Because they're going to somehow... Those things are supposed to build me up. They're supposed to protect me. But instead of working on your Midos, how about you just go straight to the Neshama? You know, just go straight to the Neshama and say, who I am is part of God. And when I'm part of God, and I don't have to build up my ego so that you see me better or bigger. I can just be me as my soul. And then I don't have to spend all this time working on stinginess or on, on selfishness or on, on, um, on, I have nothing to get angry about. I'm, I'm purely in my zone. I'm, I'm, I'm patient. I'm, I'm clear. I'm, I'm special. I'm loved. I'm just by being in your, in your soul space. You, you don't have to do all that work, you know, because you'll notice that it's an endless work. It never really ends. Whereas if you come, if you train yourself to come from being, from, come from soul, you know, you're all set. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, make, make yourself crazy trying to work on mitos that you're probably never going to fix anyway. (laughs) Okay. I think that was our, um, whoa. That was our first video, except guess what? I'm pretty sure that I um, forgot to press record. <laughs> I feel so bad. That was supposed to be recorded for Asia Tour, and I totally forgot to press record. Bummer. Okay, we're doing our second half now. Second half is going to be much more uh, informative. First one was more like coronavirus therapy. So we're going to move into uh, something uh, much more... Much more... Um, you know, grounded information. Uh, can I ask someone out there to uh, to just pour me something to drink, please? Um, well, I have a mug in here. I would take like a half a cup of uh, good earth tea with honey. Thank you, nice lady. Hey, mommy. Yeah, I am. I just lost the plot for a second. I just saw my wife and asked her how she is instead of teaching like a good rabbi. Okay. Um, so we're going to move into the second half. Let me hit record over here. Record on this computer. Okay. Um, so shalom, everybody. I'm just going to reintroduce and properly record this. Okay. Here we go. Ready, and here we go. 
Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the uh, Holy City of Jerusalem. Um, what we're going to talk about, and uh, and I'm sure it's apropos, is the wandering Jew. You know, Jews are everywhere. And all the people watching this are like from all over the world. In fact, uh, you know, if we have everyone's phones unmuted, you should mute your phone if there's any noise around there. But let's just hear where you're from. I'll read off the people... We got a woman named Jory from uh, Albany, New York. Andrew Schiff's in uh, Toronto. How about you guys? Let's hear you guys. Where are you guys? Chicago. Chicago. Ramat Bay Chemist. Ramat Bay Chemist, Jerusalem, Israel. Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. And uh, Austin, Texas. Who's Austin? Texas, let's go. And we got Dallas. Austin, okay. Dallas, Texas. Texas in the house. San Francisco. Jorge Ordaz from San Francisco. Orange County. I'm in, uh, I'm in Gun Soccer Park in Jerusalem. Yeah. I just saw from me riding his bike. Nice, nice. Orange County. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Jews are all over the world, and I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Um, I might, uh, oh, someone's from, uh, I don't even know how to say this, C-O-S-E-T, New York, S-Y-O-S-S-E-T, C-O-S-E-T, C-O-S-E-T. Anyway, um, so I've been, I've been living in Jerusalem now for, uh, this June will be 29, 29 years, and... Um, oh, thank you so, so much. That's my daughter, Rachel. Rachel, say hi. Hi, everybody. Someone from Jonathan Brody in Long Island. About 20 minutes. Ah, that's good. Oh, you know what? I should make a bracha. Baruch atah Yeah, so here's the deal. Yes. What are you guys doing out there? Like, why is everyone out there? Like, how are, how did the Jews wind up all over the world the way you're all over the world? And I know you all think that's normal, but that's not normal, you know? You meet a Spaniard, he's from Spain. You meet a Brit, he's from England. You meet a Mexican, he's from East L.A., you know? They're, just kidding. You meet a Mexican, he's supposed to be from Mexico anyway, I guess. The uh, people people are, you know, people are from their place except for us, the Jewish people. You know, you meet a Jew and they're, they could be from anywhere and they could be, and we're really everywhere. And what happened here? And the answer is, is that, is that the whole point of the Jewish people was to be a light unto the nations. We're supposed to be a light unto the nations. But what kind of light are we supposed to be unto the nations? What kind of light? And, uh, and the answer is, uh, the answer is that we're supposed to be a light unto the nations in that in that the Jewish people all live in Jerusalem and Israel, and, and the light shines from Jerusalem, and it's like a big, giant orb, and it shines to the world. And so while that light shines, so, that, so there's, like, everything goes well on the planet because of that light that shines, and everything's going good, you know. The, 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 the rabbis said that 
had the Gentiles any idea, meaning the ones who destroyed the temple, had they had any idea what they were destroying, they would have actually set up their all their military surrounding Jerusalem and pointing their guns outward to protect it, to make sure it was still going on. In fact, King Solomon could read the floor of the Temple Mount and tell you when to plant bananas in Costa Rica. You know, he, he was able to see the whole thing. He could see there was going to be an earthquake in Turkey, you know. He, he, it was, you know, Jerusalem was the light for the whole world. And what happened was the Jews did a really lousy job with the light. You know, we didn't pull it off properly. And because we didn't pull it off properly, the light got blown to smithereens. God just went, bam. And, and that light broke into millions of pieces. And each one of you is one of those pieces. Each Jewish person around the planet is one of those little sparks of light. The light of Jerusalem, the light of, of God, the light of truth, the light of spirit, the light of soul. You know, that's, that's who you are. That's who we all are. We're, we're just the light of that soul. And, and to be scattered for, to the world, because if God's basically saying, if you can't do it by example in Jerusalem or in Israel, so then uh, you'll go out there and you'll do it out there. And, uh, you know, go, f- go figure it out out there and, and you'll be a light amongst the nations of the world. And some, some lights will be lights that teach and some lights will be lights of morality and we'll all be different lights. Some lights will just be the fact that they exist are a proof of God. For example, you know, when a Christian, you know, drives down his driveway and turns left towards church and has to drive past Joe Berman, you know, mowing his lawn on Sunday morning. And Joe Berman, you know, he doesn't know his his knee from his elbow in, when it comes to Judaism. But nevertheless, Joe Berman is, he exists. He's still here. And that itself is a, that itself is a testimony of the eternity of the covenant of God with Israel. The fact that the Jewish people don't disappear. And that's part of the reason why it could be that, you know, Chris Cross, who's driving to church, doesn't like Joe Berman that much because of the, you know, because Joe Berman is a, is a specimen of, of testimony. He's also a specimen of chosenness that, that God will never forsake his people. And he's not going to choose another um, just because we, we didn't have our act together during the second temple. Now, now, um, so the second stage is what's called the, uh, I like it co- to call it the carpet bomb stage. The carpet bomb stage means that God is like spreading around the sparks of Israel throughout the planet, one Jew at a time, just you, ju- doing it via the Jewish people and throughout, throughout the planet. And you'll notice in a very interesting mechanism in that, and that's that... Um, that any country the Jews have been, that country does particularly well financially while they're hosting their Jews. So, so they, so the, what that does is the the whoever runs that country, or where, you know, they see the GDP go up in that country. So what happens? All the other countries are jealous. They want they want those Jews in their country, but of course the person ruling that country doesn't want to lose a Jew to any other country because you know it's a major brain drain and and a financial drain because the Jews tend to bless anywhere they go with financial well-being. 
financial uh, well-to-do-ness, should I say. And um, anyway, but what happens is God didn't do that. God didn't set it up that countries would become rich because the Jews were there. God set up that the countries become rich when the Jews are there in order that the Jews can actually influence the Gentiles of that country toward monotheism, towards, towards, you know, ethical monotheism. So people will develop their conscience. So people will be good. So people will, uh, you know, it's basically to, to fix the world, to heal the world. That was the reason for all this. And so what happens is that particular country does very well and they love the Jews and the, and they start developing themselves morally. But there's always a problem, and that is, and it usually happens because of the scholars, people close, not the Jewish scholars, Gentile scholars, realize, you know, you know, like Boris is shaving in the mirror one morning, and, you know, he, of course, uh, had a couple of, maybe a couple of not-so-kosher stopovers on his way home the night before from, from uh, work, and he... Uh, Anyway, but what does he do? He sees the, he sees, the, he, he looks at himself in the mirror one morning, cutting his, uh, uh, shaving, you know, in a shard of, of mirror that he's nailed onto a tree outside his hut. And anyway, he looks in the mirror and he calls himself a dirt bag. And he's like, did I just call myself a dirt bag? You know, like, I never called myself a dirtbag before. But meanwhile, like, 20 huts over, another guy's shaving in the in the forest and and calling himself a dirtbag. And and he's like, and he knows why he's calling himself a dirtbag. It's because he didn't behave himself on his way back from work the night before. And nor did the other guy, and, or the other guy, or the other guy. And, and, um, and after a while, it doesn't take so long for the scholars of that country, the ones who are, you know, kind of more leadership types to discover that it's the Jews that have caused this sudden voice in the head, the voice of the conscience. And in fact, Hitler himself said, you know, I'm here to eradicate conscience and morality. He said, those are Jewish inventions. And so here's this guy who's like, he can't live with himself all of a sudden. He can't look himself in the mirror when, meanwhile, what he did on his way home from work, his father, grandfather, great-grandfather, like, for generations, like, this was considered fair game, you know, to uh, infidelity on the way home. But suddenly it doesn't feel good, and it comes at a great price. And, and at that point, eventually they realize it's the Jews, and what do they do? They send those Jews out of here. And they, they just say, Jews, get out. And then the Jews run for their lives. And they wind up going to the country next door. Now, have you ever wondered why, you, if you look at the expulsions, if you ever study the expulsions of, of the Jews in uh, history, you ever wonder why the nation next door takes them? You know, I personally, if I see someone throughout, I don't know, their fan, you know, they had a, you know, an air fan, and I see it now in front of their house for anyone who wants to take it, I'm pretty leery of it, you know, like, I'm, I'm not that excited about their fan. I'd rather get one, you know, new with a warranty, because who knows what's wrong with their fan. Um, but here you see that the Jews would get scooped up by the country next door. And then the country next door to that, and the country next door to that. And that's why I call this stage of Jewish history the carpet bombing 
of a light into the nations, where all those sparks get spread. And this was God's mechanism. God, this was the mechanism by which God had us blanket the earth with, with, um, with morality. Um, but of course, it came at a major price, and and we also uh, we were deeply, you know, uh, uh, hurt as a result of a lot of the anti-Semitism that was blamed on this this um, moral voice that we had placed into the minds and hearts of of the Gentiles of the of the planet that have been, you know, inter that have interacted with us. Now, now that period of time is, uh, you know, it's been quite some time that the Jews have been out there and, uh, and having this impact. And, the, and then the only question is, are we still supposed to? Is, it, is that time still going on or is this time over? Like, are we, spill, are we supposed to still be that light in the distance? Sorry, distant from Israel, meaning are we supposed to be the light in the exile or are we supposed to be the light in the land itself? It's a good question. I don't know. You know, the we all know that that Israel and its tech world and its medical world, also med, medical tech, the pharma tech here, and every other kind of technology here is like, you know, it's a it's a massive light unto the world. You know, Forbes magazine called called Israel the best place to be during the coronavirus. You know, it's a we we are a light. For sure, we are something that's a light right here in the land. Now, it's, that might be a light from uh, you know more secular ways, but but uh, could it be that it's over? You know, um, if you ask the Kabbalists, they would tell you it's over, meaning we're done being a light outside the land of Israel. Um, we know that the that the Vilna Gon and the Baal Shem Tov and the Benish Chai and the Yemenite, uh, the Yemenite elders, like spontaneously at the same exact time, sent all their students to the land of Israel. I'm talking about hundreds of years ago, they they just sent they just sent their students to the land and said, "Life, it's time to go home." Then we saw the miracles of 1948. Then we saw the miracles of the Yom Kippur War. And then we saw the, the, um, yeah, William, uh, William said, I'm compelled to move to Israel, but I've been told that it is very difficult to make a living. <laughs> okay. Um, I have something to say about that, but I'll say it in a minute. Anyway, they, they, they all spontaneously sent their students here. And then there was the war of independence, which was a miracle in the, in the 70, the Yom Kippur war miracle. And then, and then, oh, before, and then there was 1967 was the six day war, which was the counting of the Omer. It was the sixth, sixth day of the sixth sphere was the six day war where Israel doubles its territory and gets back the Temple Mount. And it's like, how do you ignore this stuff? You know, like what's going on over here? And, um, and, uh, now people might say, you know, well, it's a secular state, you know, you can't be too messianic about it. But, uh, but on the other hand, you got to like, look at the Ashkacha protest. You got to look at the divine intervention. You know, what if, uh, what if, what if all the Jews said, what if all the rabbis in New York said, Hey, you know what? All those miracles in 67, 
Six day war. Wow. Got back to Temple Mount. That's it. We're moving our communities. And they all moved here. Can you imagine what this country would look like right now? You know, if, they, if there was an extra million Torah observant Jews living here who, who were, uh, you know, firmly on the, on the side against the Haskalah, against the uh, Enlightenment movement of the secular Jewry. Mashiach probably would have come already. I think at this point we'd be holding in Mashiach times. I don't know. But um, uh, regarding making a living here, William, the Israel's the land of milk and honey, and it's uh, it's it's it, it really uh, it shows you. It kind of mirrors you. So if you come here with a uh, with an abundance mentality, so abundance is what you receive. And if you come here with a scarcity mentality, so scarcity is what you receive. And, and, but it really, it really does, does the, does the job when you, uh, when you move here and you move here with the right mentality. So what is the right mentality of someone coming back to the land of Israel? So the right mentality we learned from the spies, and that is to come here not to see how you can make it, but to see, sorry, not to see if you can make it, but to see how you're making it, how you will make it. So two of the spies, Yoshua, Kalev and Yoshua came to the land just to see how they would do it. And the other 10 came to see if they could do it. And you never come to Israel with the if question. And you come here with the how how question that's okay you're allowed to ask how just not if and with that as long as you get rid of the if i can make it here you'll be very successful here so i've told a story for like 20 years i don't know how long of a student of mine who uh, was looking sad walking down jaffa street um today jaffa street's a train track you know foot mall but it used to be you know, regular street buses, cars, taxis. And uh, anyway, this guy was driving down. This guy was walking down the street looking pretty sad. I said hi to him because he was a student of mine a couple years previous. And and he, I said, why you look so sad? He says that his aliyah failed, that he, he didn't make it, you know, and that he was going to have to move his family back to America. And I was, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Now, I didn't give him Musa. I didn't tell him, like, uh, you sound like one of those if guys as opposed to the how guys. I just said, you know, I'm sorry, whatever. Anyway, we spoke. I gave him a bracha, and uh, he left. And as I turned around to start walking back again towards uh, Asia Torah in the old city, uh, you know, like an Audi SUV or some fancy car came up. I forget which kind. A really nice car. And this guy opens the window, and he says, Rabbi Glazer. And I look over at him and I realize it's a student of mine from a, several years ago and who had made Aliyah with his family. And, and I look at this company car he's driving. And I'm like, whoa, where'd you get this thing, man? Because like literally three months earlier, I had seen him in a company car that was about half the value of this one. I said, I said, what are you doing with this car? He's like, they upgraded my, my company car. And he, and, and then he had to go because the light was turning green. He just says, Rabbi, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. And he drives off. And here I was, this all took place in a matter of like five minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
what is the difference here? What's the difference between these two guys? And the answer is, is that one came with an abundance mentality and that, and the other one came with the scarcity mentality. One came to just see how he would do it and did it. And the other one came to see if he could do it. When you come to see if, it's a lack of faith. When you come with if, it just lacks faith, it lacks trust in God that he can pull this off for you. When you come with with how, how will I do this? Because you, know, you got to ask how. By the way, I could say something else. You come and just come with, I am doing this. you know. But no, it's okay to ask how and look into it and figure out how you're going to do it. Um, so the one who asks how gets a blessing, gets a stamp on his head, and the abundance comes comes his way. It's a, in other words, when you come to Israel, you're not coming to see if you can make it. You're coming to, to come and committed. You know, you're going to marry the land. You're wedding the land with your soul. We pledged our souls to the land. And, and it, you come in fully committed like that, and you'll, you'll be doing just fine. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to make it, you make it great. And I, and I have, um, I would say, <laughs> I would say that, you know, I have a lot of friends who have done very, very well here. Very well. And they've, and they've, no one seems to be at all nervous about their finances. They're, they're also quite happy to have all their education and medical paid for by the state. You know, I mean, think how much medical bills are. And just have a in medical insurance and and to have um, and to have uh, you know and pay for the education of your children, especially if you're going to have a lot of them. You know, so you Israel Israel pays for all that, and that's that's just an ultimate the ultimate pleasure. And then when like when things hit the fan, like they did with the coronavirus, like Israel Israel's pulling it off, you know, big time. You know they're doing an amazing, amazing job at uh, getting through this thing, and and it's just uh, you know America. Like, what are you going to do? You got three time zones. You know, it's like, how do you govern that kind of thing? How do you handle that? It's uh, just massive. You know, part of what made the USSR fall apart is eleven time zones. You know, but it's it's very hard to keep a keep something running in that on that scale. And Israel's like. It's, it's, with with everything this country brings to the table, and it's such a small and uh, localized population, you know, just when things get difficult, it's a lot easier to handle. A lot easier to handle that, and, and the same thing has to do. Think, same thing goes for terrorism. I mean, the um, uh, Israel had, I think, uh, I think uh, the U.S. had ninety. Nine percent. I forget. Some weird number, like ninety-nine percent more terror in the last year than Israel did. You know, meaning just crazy shoot-ups and you know things like that. There was another one yesterday in Canada. I think it's Nova Scotia in Canada. John, I think give me a nod if it's in Canada. I don't know, I don't know where Nova Scotia is, but but um, the you know Israel's just that's not happening over here. Like you, you want to live somewhere scary, live in New York. You want to live somewhere safe, you know. You live in the land of Israel. You know, we've it's it's just a lot easier to take care of ourselves here, and and it's the Jews looking out for the Jews here. 
you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Trump, Trump seems to love the Jews, you know, but he's got three time zones worth of Jews that he's going to worry about. And, uh, and, you know, it's just not, it's high on the list of priorities, but not that high, you know, and it's not like, it's not like he wouldn't sacrifice the Jews if, if he had to. Whereas, uh, you know, even though you'll notice the Israeli leadership, they may play some games and they may, they may, um, you know, certainly cowtail up to nations that they need need their um, resources or something. But but they would like they would cut all ties if it was an existential threat. And you see, that's why everyone loves Bibi. Is Bibi's like been the least scared of um, of opinion. You know, he was he was like a sworn enemy of Obama for eight years. You know, like since when do we have a prime minister who the president of the United States? And he are not buddies, you know. But but he held his ground, and uh, he's he because Obama he felt Obama. If he didn't fight Obama, he would be putting a, Israel into an existential threat. And so, you know, the whole wandering Jew thing was cute and sweet for a couple thousand years. But but now it's uh, it's time for us to be home and to be taking care of our, each other here and uh, watching each other's backs. And, uh, and once again, you know, if you want to say, well, it's too secular over there, you know, we want to be with, uh, we want to stay in our stettles, you know, in Brooklyn or wherever. And the, the answer is, well, the reason it's so secular here is because you don't come. Because if all of you came, it would be, it would completely inundate the population and then automatically the constituency of the Torah observant leaders would go up like five times and and so if you're if you're complaining about if you're complaining about secular leadership of Israel so look in the mirror it's because of you it's because you, you're, you're so busy pointing your finger at Israel at the secular state of Israel and instead of flying here and changing the number situation because it's a parliament it's not a king it's not Bibi's not a king it's a parliament whoever has the most votes gets the uh Whoever has the most votes, meaning, sorry, whoever has the most constituents, they they make the rules. They run the government. And so you can't complain about something when you're the, the culprit. You're the problem. Okay, everyone. Um, blessings. Where, whatever country you are, may you be safe, may you be strong, may you be healthy, may you be happy. And, uh, and please, God, uh, we're going to be with the, all the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And... Mashiach will come. And Simcha, Nachas, Brachas. Be well, be strong. Shalom, everybody. I'm... You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.